Okay, so, uh, so I'm fam- famous last words, but I'm thinking that tonight will be a little bit shorter than usual. So uh, it's really, really to be mashlim, to complete the sugi that we've been uh, doing the past couple of weeks, and just to bring it b'derach havayda, but uh, just to sort of get back back into it. So what we explained is <coughs> again talking about the inyan of. Geula itself of, of, of Mashiach and how it relates to Shavuos and so on, Megillus Rus. And so what we said is like this again, basically two 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 Yisaitis to put everything together. Yisait number one is that we we learned that there are three dimensions that reflect each other, three dimensions that reflect each other. Yisrael varais of a right? In that sense, in other words, there there's a certain infrastructure kviyachal. In any infrastructure that you're dealing with is going to have these three planes. It'll be any sugya has to exist in these three levels. It has to it has to express itself in neshama, express itself in elikus, and also express itself in avayda in tyra, in tyra. And so, what we've been t- talking about is this inyan of nishmas b'sheich of what gula is, and the nature of. Basically, what is Gula? What what uh, you know? What is Gula about? And, and like I've been mentioning, that the Yantif of Shuas fundamentally is not so much a Yantif fundamentally about Kabbal Satir. It's a Yantif that's fundamentally about Gula Shlema, about a complete Gula, the completion of Yitzias Mitzrayim. So deeply rooted in Shuas is an understanding of what Gula Shlema is, of what ultimate Gula looks like, and what it, and what it means. And so this is what we've been trying to figure out to try to pinpoint what exactly is Gula Shlema. And so what we've said is the following idea. And we've seen it both in the Shama language, in defining the soul of Mashiach, and we've also, that was two weeks ago, and then to define it in terms of Elokus, the language, that was last week. The Nekud HaPnimis is to be able to be you, to be finite, to be specific, to be down to earth, but at the same time, being able to experience within that down-to-earthness something that's completely otherworldly. In the language of in the language of Elokus, of divinity, last week the language the, the 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 concept was that all of reality now is finite. But that finite reality that we're experiencing now, that we're a part of, did not just come. It, it, it was it wasn't poof out of nowhere. Finite reality first started off as part of infinite. That's what we spoke about last week, is that the Kayach Hagvul is within Beligavul. That the, the, the concept of finite, finite reality, also first started off as part of infinite. Like that marshal that I gave with, a, with a, you know, an ice, uh, what's it called, an icicle, right? An icicle eventually a little melts or so on, and that drip of water, which started off as part of the icicle, then breaks off from the icicle and his own individual drop of water. And so you have this phenomenon of finite reality, of the Rabbanu Shalom's presence in a finite world, but it originally started off as being part of that infinite reality of the Rabbanu Shalom. And the purpose of life, and as we spoke about, is that this, for that for finite reality, which which might have started off as completely part of this infinite, you know, oneness of God, for it to sort of break off, so to speak, for it to become isolated, and for it to be strengthened and fortified 
have its own very strong identity, in a good way, but a very strong fortification of identity. And the tachlis is for it to then be returned into that ocean of oneness, where it's at the same time able to experience the pleasure and the delight of being part of something so much bigger, and at the same time, there's a very strong sense of self to allow that experience to be pleasurable, without just becoming lost in that, in that everythingness. And so, <clears throat> and so in the, like, in, like in that marshal, you have the icicle, and you, you, what you have is that drop of water, and there's a process through which that drop of water becomes independent or becomes, you know, sort of, uh, um, you know, isolated from the rest of the icicle. So first, like this we spoke about more in detail last week, that first the, the drop of water sort of gets to the very tail end of the icicle and it's like hanging off of it, where it's sort of independent, but not yet. And then eventually it drops off and now you have an independent, you know, droplet of water. And so that's, that's the process of creation. And the process of redemption is now that droplet of water is to sort of re-engineer, to, to deconstruct itself, to return back into the icicle. But after thousands of years of the drop of water being a good, holy, strong drop of water, dealing with all the, all the uh, dirt and rocks of the world and still remaining a healthy, strong drop of water, now with all that fortification of avoid that the drop of water does, it's able to then return into the icicle while still being a drop of water, yet being part of something so much bigger at the same time. That's, that's what Gula is, and that's what it is in terms of the language of Elikus. Finite reality being, the process of creation, finite reality being isolated from the infinite, going through thousands of years of strong fortification to eventually be strong enough to return back into infinite and still have its own identity to experience that, that infinity. That's, that's in, in elocustic language. We also explained this in soul language. And that's what we spoke about two weeks ago, that this process, <clears throat> this process of that droplet of water, so to speak, sort of you know, going through this process of becoming independent, and then the process of it sort of you know, uh, reverse engineering itself and going back into the icicle, in the Shoma language, this means as follows. Maishra Benu means the infinite, it means the big icicle. The droplet of water at the tail end of the icicle, while it's still just hanging there, but it's sort of part of it, but yet not, that's called David Sheba Maisha, that's the soul of David within Maishra Benu. And then when the droplet of water actually, you know, falls off and it's its own little droplet, that's called David Melch himself. So you have David, David Shev Moshe, and Moshe Rabbeinu. But this is what Gula looks like. And that's what we spoke about, how the soul of David is David and David Shev Moshe. And when you have that strong fortification, that's called David and David Shev Moshe, then you can have Gula. So in other words, what, we, what, we, what, what, what we're now going to move into the final Shlav, B'derach Avayda, to explain what this looks like in Avayda, what we, what we now have is a, basic, is a basic construct, which is that in order for a person to experience Gula, you need two things. You need one side of Yiddishkeit which is extremely focused on strengthening who you are as an individual, down-to-earth, practical, you know, individual droplet of water, you know, the Davra Melch part of you. And at the same time, Gula also requires for a person to have a certain path in Avaida which reminds you that, and, to, and to reconnect you to the icicle that you come from. 
and to sort of take you as a droplet of water and to reconnect you to that icicle. So you have something in avoid this. So, so that's, that's what, you, that's what avoid in, in a way of ghoul is going to look like, is going to sort of this process of reverse engineering, of taking the droplet of water and not undermining its existence as a droplet. Adrava. It's strengthening. We want to strengthen and to fortify the existence of the Jew and the existence of the world as an independent droplet of water. But at the same time, to give it a path back into that icicle. So this, the, again, that's in, in divine language, in soul language, in now Chavayda. So let's now, now let's, let's, let's go through some of the Iker in Yonim, in Avodah Hashem, and to show what that looks like. What does it look like to have an Avodah in such a way where, where you're not, where you're starting off, it's gonna, what's gonna, what, you're gonna, what we're going to see now in a few minutes is a path in Avodah Hashem where everything seems to be going like bottom up. Where it's about taking the lowest Taking the bottom and not trying to, not trying to undermine it, not trying to destroy it or to nullify it. That droplet of water is still supposed to remain a droplet, but yet at the same time, bringing it back to its source while connecting it to something much bigger, but never undermining its existence and undermining its independent chashivas. That's going to be a model on Avodah Hashem that's going to be more guladic. Now, by the way, this is, before we, we get into the practicalities, because now the, the, tonight's shir is going to be very practical. We'll see, you know, again, relatively speaking. But, uh, you know, but just one, one thing to think about, you know, this is very related to shavuos. Wow. See, what happened by Shavuos? Like I've been mentioning, Shavuos is, is a yontif that's talking about Gula Shlemov, complete redemption. And by complete redemption, what is complete redemption? Complete redemption is, like I've been saying, the icicle returning, right? The, the, the Rabbani Shalom in his infinite self, the, or in soul language, Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Of returning to the scene. And that's exactly what happens by Har Sinai. What happens by Everything is taken over by that sentence. Right? Everything is taken over by that sentence. So an aspect of, of Shavuos is certainly the revelation of that infinite oneness that becomes clear to all of us, to the whole world on Har Sinai. But at the same time, Gula Shlema again doesn't means that with that revelation of big, infinite soul, Moshe Rabbeinu, the little droplets of water should not become lost from that. Adaraba, they should be strong enough in their own independence to be able to experience that statement of and withstand it. And, that, by the way, and this is what you, you're already uh, sensitive you can hear already that in the story of Har Sinai, when Hashem says the Dibris and Parchanish Masar, right? Their souls keep on leaving them and Hashem has to bring them back to life. That's a story of, of, of the droplets of water trying to handle what it means to become to, to to return into the icicle while yet retaining their independence and their sense of self, the the, the death of the Jewish people means becoming lost in anaychashemalakecha. Yet at the same time, the return of their souls to them means yeah, you become part of the icicle, but you're also an independent person at the same time. In other words, the simple reading of that chazal it sounds like it kept on backfiring. Like Hashem's plan is that you should hear the Ten Commandments and you should be able to. That you should live with them, but it's like every single time, like I can't, didn't work again, didn't work again. Like he keeps on saying something, they keep on dying. He's like, okay, fine, but again, let's let's try it again, try it again. It's not it's, that's not the pshat. The pshat is this is the process. The process is what what shavuos is is a revelation of infinity, 
which at the same time, we need the finite world to become part of that infinite, which, which is expressed by the neshamas of the Jewish people leaving them. But at the same time, the finite world should not be lost completely and dissolved in that infinite. Rather, it should be able to have enough sense of self to appreciate what's going on around it, and that's called the souls of the Jewish people returning to them. So what you see by Shavuos, therefore, is, is, is an interesting balance, which is, on the one hand, what happens on Shavuos is a revelation of something bigger than us. That's why you don't sleep on Shavuos. There's an Indian of, you know, just something bigger. You know, Pesach, we have an Indian by, in the beginning of redemption, which is Pesach, there's an Indian of Laila Kiyom Yoyer, that the night is similar to the day. Right? It's Lil Shimurim. So just like the daytime, you're not so afraid. You shouldn't be afraid at night. So you, you say a limited Kriyash Malamita, you keep the door unlocked. There's halachas like that. But it's Laila Kiyam Yoyer. But it's still a little, it's only a little bit like the day. When it comes to Shavuos, it's, the day is the night. And the night is the day. Right? It's mamish one and the same. You, you, you stay up all night and you sleep by the day. So it's mamish like there is, it, 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 it's, it's, it's it, you know, night always means, when we're talking about day versus night, day always means Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the sun, right? So Moshe Rabbeinu is daytime. That means infinite. Nighttime, that's, that's already the moon. Nighttime means the Talmud and the Talmud. It means nighttime means the droplet of water disconnected from the icicle. So the, what is Gula? Gula is daytime. All day, right? That the, le- that the moon returns to the size of the sun. That's how Gula is described, right? So on the one hand, Shavuos, the revelation of Shavuos, is Maish Rabbeinu, sunlight, even at nighttime, Mamish, not Lailakiyayim Yoyim, Mamish Yoyim itself. But at the same time, whenever you have such a deep revelation, there always has to be strengthening of what? Of the droplets of water, of their independence, and the fact that they shouldn't just become lost in where they come from. And that's why it's interesting, if you think about it, you know, one of the halachas that we, that, you know, if we, we don't necessarily pay too much attention to it, but one of the halachas that our lives revolve around, whether we realize it or not, is Basra B'chalaf, right? On my fleshiks, on my milk, like, you know, it, it's one of the things that's on our minds. But there's one yantif where, where, there's, there's, where the inion of Basra B'chalaf, of meat and milk, and the separation of meat and milk becomes very, very significant is the yantif of Shuas. Right? So every Yantif, usually most people have fleshiks. All of a sudden on Shavuos is a minute to have milchiks. And once you have milchiks, it means you have to be makbid, and my milchik, and my fleshik. And that's what the, uh, the, the, the Ramah brings down. That one of the reasons why to have milchiks is because we're, there's in Chumrah, the, the Chazal said not to have the same piece of bread, the same loaf of bread, at a milchik meal, at a fleshik meal. So that means that you're going to have to have two chalas, one for the milchik and one for the fleshik. That's like Shtei Alechem. What's this inyan of being super makbid, of separating meat and milk? There's always a, we always separate meat and milk. But on Shavuos, evidently, there's a special inyan to, to highlight the fact that meat and milk are separate from each other. And by the way, it's ironic, it's more than that. We know that, as for Al-Pi technically, Medina de Gemara, from the Gemara's halacha, so the halacha is, we know that there's, you know, once you eat meat, then it's much more serious, you know, to stay away from milk, right? So we wait six hours, most people... <clears throat> but technically, Medina de Gemara, if you have milchiks, right, then you can have fleshiks right away. According to most Rishonim, you have to wash your mouth out, wash your hands, you know, if you're talking about, you know, you handle milchiks. So certainly, but in terms of waiting time, there's no time to wait. 
the Zohar Kaddish, the Zohar Kaddish is really the source of not like that. The Zohar Kaddish was, it says in the Zohar, the, the Beis Yosef brings it down, and in Hilchas Bas Bichal, the Zohar was makbid, that to, to be, to be makbid, that even after Milchik, not to have Fleshik's right away. It should be a separate Suda. Some Chasidim are makbid to Mamish Bench in between. Different. So, why the Zohar? Like, what, what is, you see also that the Zohar Kaddish is super makbid. There's this added Chumrah. With meat and milk, with bas when it comes to the zara kaddish, what's the Indian of bas bechal? It's a very, very pasuk. Where does milk come from? Meat, right? So lechayra. So if meat, if milk comes from meat, then it should be meat. So, so what's the Indian of bas The Indian of bas is that just because it comes from something doesn't mean it's still a part of it. The whole Indian of bas is that despite the fact that milk comes from meat. But milk is milk and meat is meat. Whereas the Isra Bas B'chalav is being machazik, the droplet of water, as an independent droplet. I, the droplet, came from the icicle. That doesn't mean that it's bottled to the icicle. It doesn't mean that it's just one with the icicle. It still has its independence. So the whole Indian of, of Bas B'chalav is to be machazik, the, the independence of finite, even though it comes from infinite. So Dafka and Shavuos, where there's a revelation of infinite, that's dafka the yanta that we have to be mechazik even stronger. They need a basmachalov, which is strengthening and fortifying the, the the finite, and the fact that just because it comes from infinite doesn't mean it is infinite. It has its independent thing. And adaraba basmachalov, they should not mix with each other. And therefore, dafka the zara kaddish is makbed like this. The zara kaddish, which is trying to reveal a tyra, which is more of a tyra sagula, a tyra that's an infinite side of tyra. That's dafka the. So the Zohar Kaddish has to be extra makbid and be mechazik, the sense of finite, so that it doesn't become lost in the infinite. So this is going to be the avayda. So the avayda that we have, the avayda of, of, of a geula deka avayda is an avayda that at the same time is focused and sensitive and, and in, in, in fortifying and not ignoring the most down-to-earth Avaida, but at the same time giving a path for that most down to earth Avaida back into infinite, back into something transcendent. That's going to be the model of, of Gula Shlema. And so now, with that, let's see some, some uh, examples of this in Avaida Sashem <coughs> and how this becomes a, uh, an Avaida that's uh, an Avaida of Gula. Okay, so let's see together. So in Marmokka number one, you have a famous mission in Perkyavas. This is, there's really two Mishnahites in Pirkei to talk about this following idea. One is more famous than the other. So I, I definitely picked the less famous one. So, you know, for those of us that never heard it before, we could uh, learn something new. So it says in Mishnah in Pirkei like this, Perk Aleph Mishnah Yud Ches. Rabbi Shem V'gem Liel Oimer. Rabbi Shem V'gem Liel said, Al Shleish HaDvar Mo'elam Kayim. There are three things that sustain the world. Al Hadin, Vala Emes, Vala Shalom. Judgment, you know, there's honest judges and so on. Al Ha'emes, on truth. And on shalom and on peace. Those are the three things that sustain the world. So there's an alternate Mishnah in the beginning of Pirkei Avis that uh, is a little bit of a different Lashon than this. And the language of that Mishnah is, There are three things that the world stands on. Torah, Avaida, and So these are two different Mishnahs. And it seems to be a contradiction. One Mishnah says, again, the world stands on Torah, Avaida, and Gemilz Chasadim. And this Mishnah says the world, the world is sustained with Din, Emes, and Shalom. So, is it a contradiction? Are they trying to say the same thing? What's going on? So, Marmokka number two, so Rabbeinu Yaina, in, uh, in the Mishnah Perki Avis, he says like this. He's going on this, on this uh, Mishnah, the, the Mishnah that was quoted in Marmokka number one, the less famous one. 
So he says like this, Ain Pirushai, this Mishnah that talks about the three things that sustain the world, Ain Pirushai Shabishvil Gimel Dvarim Elo Nivra Oilam. This is not giving three things as to why the world was created. So says Rabbi Yonah, there's two things. There are three, the, the, the number three is significant, says Rabbi Yonah, but there are three things that motivated creation. And then once there is creation, there are three things that sustain creation. So this is, uh, and these are the two Mishnahis. So there's one mission in Pergiavis, the first mission in Pergiavis, the earlier one, the more famous one, three things the world stands on, that's explaining the three things that brought the world into existence, for which the world was brought into existence. Once the world is, ex- is in existence, then says this Mishnah, three things sustain the world, Din, Emes, and Shalom. For three things, the world was created. But over here, this later mission is talking about things that sustain the world. Once it is created, it's sustained based on these three, these three things. In other words, by the way, and, and in Pneumius, what, what, what these two Mishnahis are already hinting to is already this Indian of what? Of there's, there's, there's two things that are being described over here. There's there is some sort of, there's some sort of cause, and there's some sort of compulsion almost to create the world, and then there's something keeping the world going once it's created. Right? That's what Rabbi Yon is saying. And at a deeper level, what that is that is describing these two stages of that droplet of water. Right? You have that initial stage where the droplet of water comes into reality, albeit still hanging off the icicle. That's called Ashlesha Dvarim. There are three things that bring the world into somewhat of an existence. Once the world then moves into independent reality, the droplet of water is now isolated from the icicle, and you have a world, now says the Mishnah, there are three things that sustain the world. That's Din, Shalom, and Emes. And as the Rabbeinu Yonah, we don't have this in front of you, but as the Rabbeinu Yonah goes on to explain, that these three things that sustain the world, that's the more David, and not David Shabbat this droplet of water separate, though these are things that are, are very, very practical, simply keeping society going. Din, Emes, and Shalom. Like if, if there would be no judgment, if there would be no, no sense of, uh, you know, there's no court systems and so on, so finished. If there's no sense of truth, there's no sense of Shalom, the world couldn't be sustained very, very practically. But in terms of understanding but in terms of that initial momentum of, of finite reality beginning to move out of infinite, that's the more well-known Mishnah, Okay, why am I hawking a Chinik about this? Besides the fact that, that these two Mishnahis fit with this model of David, Shev, Moshe, and David, <coughs> is because as follows, since the Avaidah that we're going to be talking about is about taking the droplet and returning it back into the icicle, with, again, without undermining the identity of the icicle. So we're going to find is that in those three pillars of Torah, Avayda, and Gemil's Chasadim, which is what brings the, the droplet of water into its initial existence anyway, there is a way, that's where we're going to find three examples. An example in Torah, an example in Avayda, an example in Gemil's Chasadim, of how to take that droplet and return it to its original droplet form hanging off the icicle in such a way. So in Tyra, in Avadim Nilsa we're going to find uh, paths of how to take that independent icicle, uh, droplet 
and bring it back to its initial state of where it is existing for Torah Vaidag Milschasadim. Okay, so let's give an example again. These three pillars of Torah Vaidag Milschasadim. What is what is a Geula Dikat Torah look like? What does it mean to learn Torah in such a way where you have that independent droplet of water, but yet you're giving it a path to return into that icicle? Okay, so the example that we're gonna we're gonna use would be the Vilna Gain. The Vilna Gain is all about Geula. And listen, it's impossible for us. You can't talk about tzaddikim like this to, to put them in a box, chas v'shalom. But the, the, the Vilna Gaon said about himself that his whole life, his whole life, he's fighting for Gula. And the Vilna Gaon, uh, you know, the, the world, the, the Vilna Gaon is about Tyra. That's 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 how that's how the world understands him. That's how that's our pesach into the world of Vilna Gaon. So if the Vilna Gaon was all about Tyra and he's all about Gula, so it must be that the Vilna Gaon's style of learning is going to be a Gula de Tyra, right? And so his style of learning probably is going to fit this model. If everything until now was correct, then his Torah should fit this model of taking that independent droplet and returning it into the icicle while retaining its independence and its identity. That, and let's see how the Vilna Gaon's style of learning fits that. So what was the Vilna Gaon's style of learning? So Maramaka number three. <coughs> it might be a little bit of a surprise to those that went to yeshivas under the Vilna Gaon's auspices. But this is, what the, this is how the Vilna Gaon learned. Marmokot number three. So this is from the Hakdama of the, the Vilna Gaon. We know the main sefer Nigla from the Vilna Gaon. You know, the Bihar Gra and Shulchan Aruch, and also Hagayis on, on Shas. But Bikr is Bihar Gra and Shulchan Aruch. So in the Hakdama, the introduction from uh, to the Bihar Gra and Shulchan Aruch, there's a number of, of introductions. One of them is from his sons, the children of the Vilna Gaon. So this is a, a, a piece from it. So he says like this: Imtivkach einecha achi. So they say like this: If you open up your eyes, v'tavir yuncha al biuroi al shulchan aruch mishar l'shar u'misimin. It's a little bit misprint. Misimin l'simin ba'avascho b'chamlascha le'emes. If you open up your eyes and you investigate the commentary of the Gra on shulchan aruch, simin by simin, and so on, with 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 love and and you know and, and looking for the truth, einecha techazen mishar. What's going to become clear to you is the following: Kimaron beis Yosef Zal. When he go, let's go back says the children of the Gra. Go back to the Beis Yosef himself, the author of the Shulchan Aruch. So, so what does the Beis Yosef do in his earlier work of the Beis Yosef? So in the Sefer Beis Yosef, the Beis Yosef gathers together all the shittas. The Nasav and Nasav em and goes back and forth and deals with and comparing and contrasting the shittas based on his unbelievable understanding. The Asvan Kamir Garna, and he gathered them in like a, like a silo, right? Bechibur HaKatzer. And then, you know, and, and gather them properly in his, uh, in his shorter work called the Shulchan Aruch. In other words, the Beis Yosef, he deals with all the shittas in, at length, all the sources. And then in Shulchan Aruch, he sort of just boils it down to its basic bare bones of what the Allah is based on those sources. That's, that's what the Beis Yosef did. Now, Now they say the grandfather of the Vilna Gaon was the author of the Sefer Beragayla. Beragayla is what? Also on the side of the Shulchan Aruch, the Beragayla tells you, you know, line by line in the Shulchan Aruch, what, where this line of Shulchan Aruch is coming from, both in terms of Rishonim that the Beis Yosef quotes and Gemaras that uh, those Rishonim are, are building off of. He gives you the Maramakim of where this is coming from in the Gemara. So you want to look up the sources, you have the Behagra, uh, the Behagayla. So Gila Makar Adinim, so the Behagayla reveals the source of the Halachis in Shulchan Aruch. 
And that's really what the Bihar Gail is doing. He's really using the Beis Yosef and to connect the Sefer Beis Yosef to the Sefer Shulchan Aruch. So whatever is in Shulchan Aruch, you should know where it's coming from in Rishonim and Gemara as it's quoted in Beis Yosef. So the Bihar Gail is working within the Sfarim of the Beis Yosef, just connecting the Beis Yosef with the Shulchan Aruch. That's what the Bihar Gail does. The Beis Yosef was an earlier Sefer, yeah, it was a different wow. Sefer, it's a commentary on tour. But in the Beis Yosef, it's all the background that you need to understand where the Shulchan Aruch is coming from. So the Beis yeah, so the, the Shulchan Aruch was one of the latest things that he wrote. It's a question a little bit, there's, contra- there's theories about this, whether the Shulchan Aruch was the last, Kesef Mishnah was the last, he probably put them out both like staggered, you know, like one section of Shulchan Aruch, another section of Kesef Mishnah, because there's theories back and forth. Some places in Shulchan Aruch, in Beis Yosef, he talks about the Sefer on, on the Kesef Mishnah that I have out, some of the other things that I didn't have out, so it's a, it probably came out in pieces. But anyway, that's what the Bir does. He connects the Beis Yosef with the Shulchan Aruch. So, what's the Bir, so what is the Bir HaGra doing? So now says the children of the Gra, Umar Abba HaGoyin Zetzal B'chiburi Zet. Now then comes the grandson of the Bir HaGoyin, the Vilna Gain, and he comes with his with his uh, Chibur, with his, uh, you know, with his Sefer, the Bir HaGra. And here is Mekoyron, Kol teva v'teva hi gemar mufureshes. Bavli o Yerushalmi o Yedivirashi v'taisves. And when you go through Bir Hagra, this is Mamash what he's doing. The Bir Hagayla, again, as I said, is really just trying to connect Beis Yosef with Shulchan And when you look at the sources that the Bir Hagayla brings you to, which is basically in the Beis Yosef, in the Beis Yosef, it's a tumult, it's a, it's a pilpul, you know, and halachas that, that, that the Shulchan that the Shulchan brings down could be based on certain back and forth and pulpulim and shakvatarius that he describes and he deduced in his Sefer Beis Yosef. But what the Bir HaGra does is the Bir HaGra is much more... Try, he's not trying to connect the Shulchan Aruch to the Beis Yosef. What the Bir HaGra is doing is trying to connect Mamish, the Shulchan Aruch, to Chazal itself. To Chazal itself and Rishonim and Chazal. He's ignoring the... He's not going with the Beis Yosef. He's saying this, this Lashen of the, of the Shulchan Aruch that the Shulchan Aruch is quoting... Even if the Beis Yosef is, wrote it because he was coming from a particular Makar, and that Makar that the Beis Yosef is using, maybe he's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a stretch, the Groh finds the Makar, Mefurish in Chazal, maybe somewhere that the Beis Yosef was not coming from. But the Bir HaGroh takes, like, as his Lashen is, Kol Teva Veteva, every single word of the Shulchan Aruch, without stretching, without finagling, without fetching, Every word of the Shulchan Aruch to find a straight, direct path from the Shulchan Aruch to Chazal themselves. That's what the Gorah is trying to do. This is something that was beyond what the, what the Beis Yosef was doing. And it's not from what other Svarim are doing. The Beis Yosef, to get to the words of the Shulchan Aruch, was obviously coming from Chazal, but it's Chazal after a lot of pulpulim, a lot of back and forth, and machlekesin, you come to Shulchan Aruch. But the Bir Agra was the, the guy was able to find the, the, the actual Shulchan Aruch, the direct link between the Shulchan Aruch and Chazal themselves, without having to go through the, the, the backwards channel sometimes that the Beis Yosef has to go through. That's what the Bir Agra does. And so the, what the Bir Agra does is what he's doing is that he's taking the work of the Shulchan Aruch, and instead of the work of the Shulchan Aruch being something that is way, way far off from the Gemara, because when you start with the Gemara, it's like, I, got, I, I don't see any Shulchan Aruch here. 
When you learn a Gemara, there's like no halach lemais at all. It's just all concepts and populim and back and forth. And then, okay, so then you have a Beis Yosef. And the Beis Yosef, okay, so now he's already, he's quoting the Gemaras and quoting the Rishonim, but he's directing it towards practicality. Okay, and then you get to Shulchan Aruch. And when you get to Shulchan Aruch, obviously that's practical. But the connection between Shulchan Aruch and the actual origin of Shas is still very distant. Comes the Bir Agra, and what the Bir Agra does is that he turns the Shulchan Aruch into, into a Sefer that is found in Gemara. And now when you're learning Shulchan Aruch, the Bir Agra says you're learning Gemara. And that's mamish what the Bir Agra does. Every single line of Shulchan Aruch, ayin Gemara over there, and th- that's what you're doing. And the, and, and, and the same thing it is when you're learning Gemara. Now when you're learning Gemara, you're not learning some Gemara that somehow in some way might trickle eventually down to being some pra- something practical. No, th- this is Shulchan Aruch in more of a... In a more larger scope, in a more mysterious way, in a more infinite way. But this is Shulchan Aruch. What the Bir Agra is doing is he's taking the Sefer Shulchan Aruch and the source, which is Shas, and literally making it one Chibur without losing the independence of the Shulchan Aruch. You understand? That's exactly what the Bir Agra is doing in, in Gemara. In other words, what is the Shulchan? What's what, let's, in this model? So what is what's what's Shas and what's Shulchan Aruch? So Shulchan Aruch is a droplet of independent water. It's, a, it's an individual droplet. It's an independent droplet of water. I don't know, yeah, Rabbi, is the spoon kosher or not? Well, you know, there's a Rajba somewhere in, you know, Hulin, there's a Pilpul, you know, they, 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 they talk about it. I, is it kosher or not kosher? You know what I mean? So all the people, you need Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch, okay, tells you what to do. So then there's like two, uh, you split-minded, you know, there's like, there's, there's learning, there's Pilpulim, right, Shas, and then there's Shulchan Aruch. What the Biragra does is that he takes that independent droplet of war, the practical down to earth, is the spoon kosher or not, and says, that is a Mephurja Gemara. You just, have to, you just have to see it clearly and be able to find the path from that droplet to the Gemara without, without undermining the existence of the droplet. Again, what Geula is expressed in Torah learning and the style of Torah learning is the Vilna Gain. That's how the Gain learned. So go more. Take a look at Maramukim uh, number four. So, just to finish, really just to finish off Marmok number three, just it's a beautiful language. So he says, and through the writings of, 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 the, of the Vilna Gain, the words of the Shulchan Aruch become living, they become alive. They're, they're now invigorated by the words of Shas, and Shas become alive through the words of the Shulchan Aruch. They, they, they complete each other. They complete each other. And now all the shitas that the Shulchan Aruch says, you can see it's coming from one shepherd. One God said it all. It's a unifying force, but without, without losing the Shulchan Aruch. That's the Chiddush. Marmaka number four. Marmaka number four, the, now the, the, the children talk about the style of when the Gra learned Gemara. How did he learn Gemara? So he says, Hizir al darkehi ian biyama Talmud. The Goyen was very, 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 you know, he, he spoke to his Talmudim very, very much about directing them properly how to learn Gemara. And to focus very much on Gemara Rashi, to learn Rashi well. Because the words of Rashi are very straightforward and very good and clear to those that understand. And also the Chedushim of Taisus, Gemara Rashi Taisus. And the condition that the Vilna Gaon used to say to learn Gemara properly, that you should think clearly, that your 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 eon, your 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 you know when you go in depth, it should be focused and it should be straight. What does it mean straight? It means with a tachlis, with a goal. Like too again, I'm not going to start going on tangents over here, but too often guys in yeshiva sometimes struggle with this. 
it happens sometimes, where let's say there's like a, this is for some of the Bachar in the room, right? There's like a long first Seder, right? So what happens? Sometimes this first Seder is so long, right? And it's like, the guys are just like, they're, they don't even know what they're thinking about. Because there's no clear, like, like, like what are you thinking about? Like, what, what's taking so long in this Tysus? Like, because I'm, I'm, I'm being lying into it. What's your kasha exactly? Like, identify what's bothering you, and then look for a solution to that question. But just, um, just you know, talking about it, thinking about it, where have a have a like understand that, that that's what it means yosher. It means a beginning, middle, and an end. Like understand what, what what is the question that you're bothered by, and if you're not bothered by a question, then guess what? Go right there. That that's 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 what learning means. That's what the Vilna Gaon stressed. Sine rava kushis. The Vilna Gaon hated uh, having a lot of kashas. If they're legitimate questions, legitimate. I mean, just looking for kashas and stam. He hated that. And if there was a vart that was truthful, even even if it was said by a kid, the Vilna Gaon loved it. If it was truth, that's the truth. Okay, finished. The kol chafetz of midarech haseichel yishu negate emes, and all of his chesbainus that you could come up with with the Vilna Gaon's brain meant nothing if it's not the truth. And the truth means. Like halacha, that, that's what that's what the truth is. Ulahashlamas bene doiroi, and in order to complete the generation, to give the generation shlemus and Torah, Yasad Bayas, he established the house, and as the yeshiva that he had, or the, really it was just his house, Mole Torah, full of Torah, Lias Inshi Tamid Oimdem al Mashmartam, Savlu Shulchanazah, that there should always be Tamidim that were that were with the Vilna Gain learning. The Seder Lifneim Eich, and he explained to them how it's possible. The Maat Shanim, with with just a few years. Again, we're talking about Talmud Hagrav, but nevertheless, Yesigul Das Kol Hatalmud Arch B'Pim. You can know all of Shas in just a few years. The, uh, why? By not getting caught up in the in, in the Bapulim, but having but learning Gemara with a, with a sense of Yashras and a straightforwardness, with a destination and knowing where this is headed. So he says, And this is what the Vilna Gaon stressed in learning Gemara, that the Gemara should be learned in such a way where you're then able to understand the source and the root of all the halachas in Shulchan Aruch. This is how the, the Gaon learned Shulchan Aruch, to connect it back to Gemara, and this is how he learned Gemara to connect it to eventually lead to Shulchan Aruch. That's how the, that's how the Gaon learned. The Hizir, and he warned, not to be too much involved in pilpul, because eventually it turns into nothing. It's taken away and you have nothing left. Sometimes the pilpul is just to make yourself feel better than other people, which is terrible. Pilpul is good when it's directed for the purpose of getting to, a, to the bottom line, which is halacha lamaisa. So you see already what the Vilna Gain is talking about. There's the, 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 this... Torah's Hagu'ula, in the way of, in the way of, of Torah, is this in the Vilna Gain, of taking halacha and returning it to its source without undermining the chashivas of the halacha, learning backwards sometimes, you know, going from the Shulchan Aruch back to the Gemara. This is what Gula looks like in the way of Torah. Okay, now let's move on to the next pillar of the world. Again, these pillars that, that bring the world into existence are going, to be, are going to be pillars to allow the world to exist in that hanging off of the icicle state. <coughs> so what's the next? So you have the pillar of Tyra, then you have the pillar of Avaida. So if Tyra, to, to identify Tyra in a Guladika way, you went to the Vulnagain, so no, to identify Avaida in a Guladika way, you have to go to the Balsham. So Avaida means Karbanis, but practically for us it means Davening. Davening is Avaida. So what is Davening going to look like in this model also? Again, taking something, the, the droplet off of the icicle, and not undermining it, 
giving it, giving its place, giving it its strength, but returning it to its source. So there's a number of ways to go about to go about thinking about this. I'll give you two of them. Okay, one does not have the marukaimus, and one is one one nakuda. I would say is, is as follows: is that the Balshantav, you know, there was a, a you know by by the Mukubalim, I've mentioned this many times that by the Mukubalim, the the the, the Everest, the highest level of avoda, is davening with kavanas and shemus haktoishim, and it becomes like, you know, you're saying rifeinu, and like you have a stomachache, so you're saying rifeinu, but you're not thinking at all about your stomach because it's all just shemus haktoishim. The Balshantav was opposed to that. The Balshantav was opposed to that. Balshantiv, the Avaida by the Balshantiv is there's an independent finite droplet of water in your life. That's called your stomach ache. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. Davin for your stomach. Davin that you should feel better. But understand that your stomach, that the, the panemius of your stomach are Shemus Akdashim too. Don't separate the two. In other words, without the Balshantiv, a, a non Gula Dika Davining is making a choice. Either. Um, in the world of the icicle, and it's all for the sake of the Shekhinah, and big picture stuff, but personally unrelatable. Or, I'm stuck in my Tsaris, and I have to sacrifice davening about big things, and idealistic things, to daven for my own personal inyana. The, the davening in a Gula way means to recognize, no, 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 Gula means backwards. Gula means take the droplet, and return the droplet into the icicle, without the droplet losing its identity, which means, daven for your inyanim. Because the reason why the Rebbe Hashem gives you your inyanim is because that's, the, that's a piece of the Shekhinah that he needs you to daven for. But it's not just to daven for some abstract idea called the Shekhinah. This is what you're davening for. Your stomach is hurting you? That's a big inyan by the Rebbe Hashem. That's a big deal. So you daven for your stomach to feel better, but you understand and you have the mentality that what does it mean, my stomach? Who am I? What, type of, what world am I a part of? And for the Shekhinah to be healthy and well... If the Shekhinah is healthy and well, it means I'm healthy and well. And if I'm not healthy and well, it means that is the Shekhinah in pain. And so, Avayit uh, Hashem, the way the Baal Shem, is not disconnected from, from the most down-to-earth, practical part of davening that should speak to every single Jew. And it's not disconnected from the highest level of Kavanis. That, that's, that, that's that, you know, everything in your life is Shem Hashem. And this is what's stressed by the Tamid of Hashem to daven for everything, and not to undermine, not to not to lessen the significance of anything in your life. That's what the, I've mentioned this many times. Rav Tzadik says, the Gemara says in Brachas, that davening is davar ayim bruma shal something that stands at the height of the world, and people disgrace it. So Pashib Shad, means davening, people just don't take seriously. Says Rav Tzadik, no, that's not what it means. It means the things that people want to daven for is something that stands at the height of the world, really, and people disgrace them by thinking that it's just trivial things. So the guy wants to daven that, uh, you know, you know, I mean, you know, the guy wants to daven that a sports team should win, you know, the World Series or championship, whatever the thing is. But it's like, you know, and even the Goyim will talk about, like, you know, like, you know, does God really care about who wins? You know what I mean? If that, if, it sounds silly, but if that's something that's, I'm not saying it should be important, but if that's something that is important to someone, and they have a cheshit to talk to God about it, then the Baal Shem would say to talk to the God about it. It's not, I, 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 I should talk to the Baal about this. It's a dover, I'm a broom, I'm a broom, to you, this is part of your life. For good or for, or for bad, this is part of your life. So, I'm not, so you try, maybe you should talk to Hashem about uh, growing out of it. <laughs> maybe that should be the conversation. But Al-Kopanim, it's a conversation piece. It's something to talk about. 
if it exists, to whatever degree it exists, it's part of the, the world of the Shechina, so it has to be worked through. It could be the Shechina in Golis, it could be something negative, but I'll go on to work it through. So uh, there, there's in a way of Avoida in this way of Gula, where it's the droplet returning to the icicle without losing its identity as a droplet. Now, another example of this, again, just to move quickly, another example of this in Maramukha number five, specifically in not just davening in general for what you're davening for, but even in how you're davening. So in Maramukha number five, this is a, it's a famous piece from the Maran. <coughs> so Rabbi Nachman famously talks about an Indian of da, a style of davening called hispoididus. Right? What's hispoididus? That it's ma, ma, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, even if you're davening for your personal things, but if you're using a sitter and you're using tilim, it's already icicle thick. You know, it's already you know, this is the same sitter that all of Yisrael uses. So it's a little bit impersonal. So Rabbi Nachman taught that no, 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 no. Your davening should be extremely personal. Not just personal about what you're davening for, but the language that you're using and the words that you say should be personal. His body, this means your personal tefillah and your personal davening. And so there's a focus in Rabbi Nachman, which is to strengthen the identity and the independence and the, and the, 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 the finite quality of that droplet in terms of davening. That you daven, not just what you want to daven for, but how you want to daven for this, in your own words. At the same time, as we're going to see in this piece, Rabbi Nachman also taught to take that hispaididus and to bring that into Tehillim and into Shemana Esrei, where there's no, uh, there's no separation anymore between, you know, the, 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 even, even the, the big picture davening that everyone is saying the same words should also be with a sense of, person, of personal, uh, personal touch. So you'll see what I mean. Take a look at Marmok number five. Five and six. Simply, it was told to me, this is Rav Nassim Breslov we're talking, Sha'omar, that Rav Nachman said, it was told to me, that Rav Nachman said, Shemikadin vad godol, that great, uh, small to great, Yev shaliyas ish, kosher be'emes, is a mistake, that it's impossible to be a kosher yid in truth. Ki yamayideh unless a person practices his of talking to Hashem in your own language, about your own things. Ve'gam tofas ish echad poshe b'nichteh b'al shem tazal, and the Rav Nachman even brought as an example, he pointed out this specific person, whoever this person was, that was an enical from Baal Shem, and he said, This Yid, he does this by this, and he davens to Hashem, he cries to Hashem in his own language, in a way of his by this. And he said, That the children of the Baal Shem, the enical of the Baal Shem, the blood of the Baal Shem, is predisposed to do this of his by the because the Baal Shem Tov came from David, and so all of his Eniklach come from David. And the whole Inyan of David Melech was this Inyan of creating personal tefillahs, right? Personal tefillahs in such a way of his Baidus. He would break his heart before Hashem. That's what Sefer Tehillim is. So what Rabbi Nachman over here is introducing us is to an amazing idea is that Tehillim is really David Melech's Baidus. Now, David Melech, as, as, as we all know, we'll see in a second, is not just an individual person. Mm-hmm. David Melch is all of us. So really what Sefer Tilm is, is our collective Hisbaididus. And what's, what's amazing is, is that also Tilm is part of Tanakh, which is Taras Moshe. So it's like at the same time, David and David Shavu Moshe, it's unifying force. And so what you have is this idea in Avadis Hashem by Hisbaididus, which is your personal, your personal language, your personal words. But then there's also this understanding that Tehillim is sort of our collective Hisbaididus. And so comes Rabbi Nachman in Maramukha number six to say that you have to therefore connect your personal this with the collective this of Tehillim. 
So Nachman said, when it comes to saying Tilim or other davening like that, a person has to find their personality and their personal touch and their personal tefillah within the collective tefillahs that everyone is saying. Don't think that I'm just saying, I'm not reading the Siddur. These are my words that I'm saying with the Siddur. Happens to be, these are the same words that probably the guy next to me is saying too, but these are my words. These are my words. And without complicating, to think this kibshutai, that these are my words. And in a simple way, you'll be able to find yourself. You'll find your, 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 you know, a, a personal connection and a personal place within all these tefillahs. And specifically with Tehillim, you could do this easily. Because Tehillim was said on behalf of all of Kla Yisrael and on behalf of every single individual Jew amongst Kla Yisrael. And every person with all their, you know, the Muhammad between them and the Yitzhahara, all the things of your life, it's all in Tehillim. So this is a path again, a Geula Dikadavening. What's a Geula Dikadavening? You have your independent droplet of water, your personal spiders, your personal inyanin, and you don't lose sight of it, but you incorporate it into the bigger picture of Tilim, of Shachas Mechamayrev, of the collective needs of Kla Yisrael. That, that's what davening in a way of Gula looks like. So you have Torah, you have Avaida, and now finally Gimilas Chasadim. What's the last example of doing a Gimilas Chasadim like this? So, just to, we mocked him, you know, the Baal Shantav revealed himself. The Baal Shantav was a hidden tzaddik for the first 36 years of his life. And when he turned 36 on his birthday, <coughs> Chayel, 30, uh, when he was 36, that's when he became, when he went public with uh, Paul Yeshua's and so on. During the first 36, 36 years of life, the tradition is, is that he wasn't like mamish, like ignoring the world. He was also being Paul Yeshua's. But here was the change. But the first 36 years of the Valshanta's life, his focus was on helping Yidin Begashmias, purely Begashmias. After he turned 36, then his focus shifted to help them Beruchnias, to give them Chizik and Avoida. But even when he turned 36, the Valshanta would always say, and we tell his students like this, is that if you want to help a person's Ruchnias, then it has to come first by helping their Gashmias. When you, when you embrace their Gashmias, Right then, from there you build up to then bring them up in their ruchnius as, as well. But don't just try to uplift their spirituality without uplifting their physicality. It goes hand in hand. The way of Chesed of the Baal Shem Tev and the way he taught it, and everything the Baal Shem Tev was about was Afatus Mayanas was about Geula. So, what does a Chesed de Geula look like? What is a what is what does Chesed look like when it's in the context of Geula? When it's a Geula mindset, it's also the same thing. There's an independent droplet of water, which means that guy's physicality, his parnasa, his health, his mental, you know, his his minuchas and very very practical, down to earth, you know. But then there's who the person is in a more spiritual sense, and that also needs chizik. So, but a gula way is again bottom up to go all the way to the droplet and to fortify to be it. And to recognize that by me helping this person's body, right, or anything gashmis that this person needs, that is helping his ruchnius. That's that that that's the process of what it means to be a, to be a, a ruchnistic person. Is also someone that's physically healthy, mm-hmm. someone that's that's able to function. That's not a stira. You're not sacrificing one. That's that's what it means. A full person. 
to elevate the Ruchnis, it comes start with the Gashmis. Think about it. Who is the, who is the, the, the beginning of Chesed? Who's the pillar of Chesed? So Avram Avinu, yeah, it's Avram Avinu. So how did Avram Avinu, how is he Makar of everyone? The greatest Chesed, certainly for Avram Avinu, the greatest Chesed is to be Makar of people to avoid this Hashem. That's the, ain't on the El Badas, say, a poor person, fundamentally, really, poverty means in Ruchnis. So Avram Avinu's main objective, certainly, is to bring people closer to Hashem. But how did Avram Avinu do it? Stam giving lectures. No. The way Avram Avinu did it was by feeding people and giving them a place to sleep. And after they were fed and after they were healthy and, and satisfied and in a good mood, then he said, okay, thank the one that gave you this. And then they would say, okay, Shkaich Avram Avinu. No, 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 not me. I'm talking about God. Oh, God. Why do you have to have the whole spiel to introduce God like that? The answer is because that's gula. Gula is bottom up. It's taking the droplet of water and, and fortifying it. Give him food. Give him a place to sleep. Give him a place to place to, to relax, and from there, in that context, you raise them up to Avadis Hashem. That's what Gula looks like. That's Gula in Chesed. So in Maramaka number 7, so this is a piece from the Megala Mukis in Parshish Lech Lecha. So the Megala Mukis writes like this, Lefisha, Ovis, Teknu, Gimel, Amudim. There are three pillars that we've been talking about. Torah, Avadim, Gimel, Chesadim, correspond to the Ovis. So Avram Tikein Amud Gbilas Chasadim, right? Avram Avinu's Chasad. Yitzchak Tikein Amud Avoida. Yitzchak is Avoida, Davening. V'Yakov Tikein Amud Hatayra. So he says an amazing thing. Ubaymais Olam historically said the Megal Mukas Hayamudei Hatayra v'Avoida Berishaina. The Torah, those two pillars were number one, and they were most focused on, and they and early generations excelled mostly in them, Torah and Avoida. In the end of time, the Iker pillar that needs fortification, that Klai is going to be focused on more than anything else, is the pillar of Avoida. So, huh? Exactly, exactly. So a lot of Svarim say that. I've heard that Chesidish uh, Svarim, Litvisha B'chachaisman, is that the Geula ends, Tafka with Avram Avinu, the pillar of Chesed. Exactly. But it has to be, therefore, a gul, a, a, an avoid of chesed, that's Avram Avinu Dik. And Avram Avinu Dik chesed is a v'chach haismen. That's a, that's a way how chesed is a gula in a gul dikah way is with Avram Avinu. And Avram Avinu is bottom up. Gashmias, and from there to the Ruchnias. Marmokah number eight, so this is from the Sefer Sichas from, uh, <coughs> from Bab Shurabah. So he said, he quoted a mice, it goes back, this is an older tradition. Be'echen mi bikuri ha'bal shemtev, be'er broad. So there was a, the Balshantiv would visit, you know, he would travel a lot. Mizrich Magid was the one to really establish a court in Mizrich, and that's where Chesidus was rooted. And then from there, Shluchim would go out. But, but the way the Balshem was traveling from place to place to, to, to be Mashpian people. So the Balshantiv, so one city that he would, he would custom a lot was the city of Broad. So one of his visits to the city of Broad, so Amr HaBal Shemtev, Basifa Gedoyle, Bal Shemtev made this proclamation in front of a lot of people, that that sometimes the Rabbanu Shalom could send a Neshama to the world, the Chai Shivim Oishmanim Shama, could live 70, 80 years, the Tachlis HaKavana Shal Shlichas, and the whole Tachlis of what all the 70, 80 years is for, is La Seis Toive Lehudi, is to do a Toive for a year, to do a good favor for a Jew, but Gashmias Bechlal, or Beruchnias Befrat. It could be Bechlal for Gashmias, and Beprat Yis Beruchnias. 
And so, and so the way it's explained when the Baal Shanta said this, Begashmi is Bechlal, Eruchni is Befrat, we just say Begashmi is Eruchni or like, uh, you know, more importantly, Eruchni is. What he's saying is, you know, the way to be Mashpi and Eruchni is through the Gashmi First is Bechlal Gashmi and then from there, specifically, you can then focus on the Eruchni But the Hashpa has to begin with Gashmi and then from there, it's Eruchni That's how the ascent that's how the ascent takes place. That's called gula in a way of chesed. So that's the insight over here, and that's why you know when you, when you talk about let's go back to the very beginning when we when uh, when we spoke about the uh, the whole yantav of shvuas. So the whole yantav of shvuas is revolving on this nekudah of again gula shleima, a full gula, and a full gula means again finite returning to the infinite without becoming dissolved. Without becoming dissolved. So at the same time, you have, like I mentioned on Shavuos, you have, you know, the Aser Sedibris, but at the same time, we're super makbed on Basavachalav. So there's this strengthening of our independence, of our, of our individual droplet, at the same time, in the, fa- in the presence of this all encompassing Anachishamalakacha. <coughs> and that's exactly, and again, you see this, and there, this has to be a path in, in Torah, in Avaida, and Gimel Chasadim. And this is exactly, this is exactly how, how Gul unfolded. Let's go back to the very, very beginning, Miguel's Rus. Right? Rus is a Miguel that we lean about on Shuas because it's the art of the Dovin Melech. So where does Dovin Melech come from? Dovin Melech comes from a Giyaris, right? Rus from Moyav. And not only was she a Giyaris, but she's a Giyaris from a nation that is not so simple whether they can really become part of the fold of the Jewish people. So isn't it ironic that you're talking about the, the, the line of Mashiach, which is about what? Which is about you know, reintroducing the world to the icicle, to the infinite oneness of the Rabbani Shalom. The Yontav of Shuas. And that line that eventually leads to Mashiach starts off from Boyaz, obviously, marrying Rus, a woman who comes from Amish somewhere outside the icicle. And not only does she come from outside the icicle, even when she then returns into the icicle called the Jewish people, she's not fully integrated. She's not fully integrated. She's, she's, she's a Giyaris, Dafka from Mayav, and she's very poor. They're, they're, and, and the whole story of Rus is talking about how, how you have this outsider, so to speak, somehow brought inside, and while she's inside, she's still somewhat of an outsider. And from there, Gula comes. That's exactly what we're talking about, because that's exactly the model of Gula, of being able to be on the inside, but yet independent at the same time. And that's why the, the, the Book of Rus is revolving around these Nakudas. It's about, it's about uh, it's, it's a, the Chazal say, the whole Lina of Rus is about Chesed. But it's a Chesed, what type of Chesed? Gashmias. The, the Rus was taken care of by Bayez. Who was Bayez? Bayez was the Tzadik Adar. Bayez was the Shaifid. He was Roshas and Hedron. And he's worried about the Gashmias of, of this Giyaris. And that's, that's where Gula comes from, because that's, that's a bottom-up process. That's a Gula where someone from the bottom, that droplet, an independent, one little droplet, one little, you know, one, one woman that's from the outside of the icicle, called the Jewish people, comes into the world of the icicle and, 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 and is brought in and is given a bracha that she should build a house like, Sarah, like, like Rachel and Leah, but still... Still a giyaris, and still someone on the outside, and that's where Mashiach comes from. Hashem should help us. Shlach to come to Yantiv of Shuas with that sense of big picture, big meichin, but not losing sense of our independence, our individuality, and that's the avoid of, and to find this in Torah and avoid the gemis chasadim. Be'es kol tzedek, me'ervi meinu, amen.